0: You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt,
1: Tabitha, Lydia,
0: and Ticket. Hey there, guys and ghouls. Man, if Tabitha was here right now, she would totally shame me. But she's not. Mitch here, and we will have our regular show coming to you uh, shortly. In the meantime, I've got a couple of Artist Alley spotlights that I want you to listen to. The first one is from uh, George McHale. This interview we had a couple weeks ago, and it's for his new Kickstarter uh, for the Cover of Darkness uh, Collected Edition, as well as... um, A card game based on the series like I said it's on Kickstarter Um, it's live right now as last I checked it's about 85% funded Uh, like but this interview did take place before it launched Uh, we've got more details check it out hey guys uh, I have a special guest with me here today Uh, you've probably you know heard some of our talks before Uh, I'm here with uh, comic book writer George McHale Uh, George how's it going I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, you're very welcome. Um, And we are actually, we're recording this. um, It's Thanksgiving where you're at. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. (laughs) But um, we're kind of here to celebrate kind of, sort of, a different holiday. Um, You've got a Kickstarter coming up here uh, in regards to your series, Cover of Darkness. Uh, I was in doing my research this morning, I was catching up on uh, on the series. Two things. One, if you have not read this book, um, it is, this comic is very much, it's a perfect spooky season book. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Two, uh, I realized I only have the first five issues, and it's a six issue in se- miniseries, and that left me on a big cliffhanger, and it's like I know what I need to do like the second this interview is over. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's let's talk about this. What's what's this Kickstarter about, um, and what do you, what are you doing with this wonderful world that you've built?
2: So the Kickstarter is for the cover of Darkness hardcover and card game. And so uh, what you get in the Kickstarter is all six issues <laughs> of the the entire miniseries um, in like a deluxe kind of really nice hardcover with a brand new cover and it also includes uh pinups and concept art as well and uh, and then we, we've also created a card game which is uh just a really simple kind of fun game where you have to build the ultimate monster army and uh it's it's based off of this old card game called golf and i kind of reverse engineered it with like my nine-year-old daughter <laughs> and we we made this game that's just like really fun to play so and it's getting produced like professionally by source point press and like it's it all the cards are like tarot card size and they feed your artwork from the book and uh yeah so the kickstarter launches october 18th and uh you can sign up now for uh to be notified when it launches and uh what what's next for the world of cover darkness uh we have a one-shot coming out uh, November 23rd, uh, comic book stores, and it features uh, three short stories. Uh, it's called Cover of Darkness Origins, and it has uh, the origin story of our of our first vampire, Orlok. And he's an elf, and he's riding a dragon. And he's protecting the elf kingdom, and his niece, the queen, is uh, is sick, and it's up to him to try and find a cure for her. And it doesn't go very well. <laughs> we also get to see the origin story of Our Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, in our version, it's Mary Frankenstein, the most brilliant inventor in all of Atlantis. And there's another short story in there. It's Ninjas versus Kaiju.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so for the uh, unfortunate people who have not read any of Cover of Darkness yet, let's talk about that a little bit. What, what is this uh, series all about?
2: Cover Darkness is kind of like Game of Thrones meets Universal Monsters. It follows a family in medieval Romania that gets separated from each other and they encounter all those kind of classic villains, vampires, werewolves, the mummy, creature from the Black Lagoon, and our Frankenstein. Um, It's about their journey back to each other. But one thing that's really fun about the series is that every issue is split between our family's adventure. They're on a collision course with the monsters and the monsters origin stories. So you get a standalone kind of self-contained monster origin story in every issue, but they're all connected to each other. Uh, and we've reimagined the monsters, like in our version, the werewolves are Vikings. So we've kind of done like our own take on all the, on all the monsters.
0: And, and like you just mentioned, I mean, these are not the typical monsters that you remember from, you know, like the the classic universal movies, you know, black and white, all that kind of stuff. Um, you've taken, you, you've taken those, you kind of like spun them around a little bit. Uh, what were some of the challenges or just really like kind of talk me through, like, how did you decide to make the changes that you did? And, and why did you make the changes that you did? The reason was, because we just didn't
2: want to tell the same story that people have seen before. Right. We wanted to kind of put our own stamp on it and, what was a little difficult, though, was kind of choosing what parts of the lore to embrace and which parts to kind of you know ignore and kind of go our own direction with. right? Um, mm-hmm. like in our version, the the vampires have the ability to control animals. and I've seen that in some places, but not always. Um, we don't have them turning into bats. I'm not saying that that's not possible, but <laughs> that's uh, that hasn't been in our book at all. Uh, and then you know with Frankenstein, Um, We wanted to have some fun with them and we were trying to think like, well, what would make sense? Who would have the technology to reanimate a corpse? And that's where we came upon like, well, maybe the Atlanteans could have been able to do something like that because they were supposed to be so advanced uh, technologically. So that's kind of where that came from. So just taking like what we loved about these characters and then kind of finding a new direction to spin it off into.
0: So let's let's kind of switch gears a little bit. Let's let's talk a little bit more about this card game because this is always exciting, you know, to kind of see, you know, like being able to put yourself, you know, into this world, kind of. So uh, let's let's walk us through that. What are some of the basics of this game? So it's based off of this uh, card game called Golf,
2: where basically you get six cards dealt to you, and they're all face down, and you put them in like a, a three by two grid. And you're allowed to look at the bottom set of cards one time only. And so you, you have to kind of remember what you've got there and where they are. And then the goal is to make pairs or three of a kind or four of a kind and it gets, and, and so you you can replace cards as you draw them
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, and you want to make sets and cause you get bonus points for the sets essentially this was a game that I was playing a lot just with, with friends, this golf game with like regular playing cards. And I was like, this is kind of like the game that I want to play the most, especially like if you're, you know, having friends over, it's not overly complicated. So you can still kind of have a conversation, but it's, you can kind of screw yourself up by forgetting where the cards are. And then so there's a lot of highs and lows in the game, but it only takes about like 10 to 15 minutes to play it. And uh, so this was the game that I was really enjoying playing the most. So I was like, let's try and reverse engineer this. Because in golf, you, like, in the, like in the actual game, golf, you have to try and get, uh, keep your score as low as possible. Mm-hmm. Same thing with that card game. So with our game, you want to get uh, the biggest score possible. And we've created a bunch of kind of new bonus cards. Like there's a gravedigger card where you can go through the discard pile and find, uh, uh, and find which card you need. Or there's a, a goblin card where you can steal a card from someone else. So there's we've added our own kind of twist on the, on the card game as well. And I've been playing it for about a year with like friends and and family. And like I said, my nine year old daughter and I put it together the first time just on like a little cue cards. We we're just writing things up and and playing the game that way. And uh, and then now it's getting printed like on professional like tarot cards and the art's beautiful it's art from the books and stuff and it's really cool so it's it's neat to have developed this game and and
0: and to do it with my kid has been like so much fun too nice so how user-friendly is this game for someone who is completely new to the cover of darkness world Um, Yeah,
2: you don't have to be familiar with Cover of Darkness to enjoy the game. It's just a monster building kind of army, monster building army game. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you can learn how to play it in like five, ten minutes. And yeah, and then each round. So it normally takes like 10 to 15 minutes to play. So like whenever we play, we usually play like three or four times, you know just nice. kind of keep going and yeah it's it's a it's a fun game and and we're offering it for like 20 dollars on the kickstarter so it's like you know i'm not not excessively priced
0: yeah no that's yeah especially for prices of some games that i've seen you know like whether it be card game board games whatever like 20 dollars is a steal basically so that's awesome uh you said your kickstarter is launching october 18th uh how long does it go for it goes until November 8th. November 8th. Okay, awesome. All right, so let's talk a little bit more, you know, like you, you mentioned the cover of Darkness One Shot that's coming out uh, in, at the end of November. Um, what's, you know, what what is next for you, whether it's in the cover of Darkness World or other, you know, like uh, work with SourcePoint Press, because I know you've been doing a lot of stuff with them and that is just phenomenal. Um, or just anything, you know, like, that you're doing like independently? Anything that you can tell us?
2: Yeah. Um, so comic book wise, what's up next for me is these one shots through SourcePoint Press. We've got three of them all together and I've been lucky enough to work with like some phenomenal creators on this. Uh, Regs Morales from like uh, Identity Crisis is uh, doing one of the short stories for us. Uh, John Delaney from Justice League Adventures. Uh, Andy Belanger who worked on Swamp Thing. Um, Nat Jones from, like, Spawn is, uh, is coming on to do a short story. So that's been pretty cool to just work with some of these different artists. And then I'm also working on a documentary right now. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, uh, me and, uh, and my partner, uh, Andrew Buckley, on this project, he's a novelist. Uh, we won a grant. Uh, we were, like, applying to make a documentary and get funding for it, and it's called Nerds on the Run. <laughs> And actually, just yesterday, we were in Hope, B.C. for the 40th anniversary of uh, the release of uh, First Blood, the, you know, the first Rambo movie. Okay. So they had It was the 40th anniversary. The town had a celebration there. They had like a tank there, like running over cars on Main Street, <laughs> which was pretty cool to see. And some of the actors were there. And we went up in a helicopter. Uh, we entered into like a, a Rambo lookalike contest. Okay. We didn't win, but I think we were kind of robbed. <laughs>
0: uh, so unfair.
2: <laughs> yeah. So this documentary is like, it's, it's pretty cool. It's kind of like us going around and like learning how like geeky stuff gets made. We're going to like a, a film, uh, a film school. We're going to an animation studio. We're planning on going to Hatley Castle, which is the filming location of the X-Men movies, oh, okay. like the Xavier mansion. So I'm having a, having a lot of fun making this thing. Uh, So that it's been kind of like an idea of mine for a long time. And actually getting this grant has like been like awesome because like, all right, now I don't have to invest my own money into making this thing. So
0: it's been super cool. Nice. Nice. So what kind of work went into receiving the grant? Was it just like an application or like, did you have to like kind of, you know, show what you wanted to do or? Yeah, we had to.
2: Fill out an application, write like essentially like an essay as far as like uh, what the project is, why it's important to us, why we think people would like it. We had to film a video, um, you know, kind of talking about the project and uh, and then design like some simple like kind of box art and things like this for it. Uh, yeah, it was kind of cool because like this is my first time ever applying for a grant and we got it. And other people I've talked to have been like man, I've been trying for years and I've never gotten anything. And I was kind of surprised because like usually when they like give out money for these sorts of things, it's like on like serious subject matter, you know and it's like heavy documentary kind of stuff. and I'm like, this is kind of like comic book man meets like a travel show. And I'm like, that's not like important stuff. It's something I would watch, but it's not you know what I mean it's not like uh, hard-hitting like journalism or anything so it, i was really psyched to get it
0: nice nice now i know we talked uh last time we talked uh we mentioned your uh youtube channel uh how's that going it's been good
2: yeah we uh I, i'm so i have two channels i have one called inside comics and the other one is called inside movies um inside comics is an interview show and i talk with uh, different creator guests kind of all of of all experience levels and uh, we talk about just how comic books get made and things to do and things not to do so it kind of has everything I wish I knew when I was getting started in there and that one's been fun and then the other one that I have inside movies it's me and uh, three other like writers and artists and we talk about mostly like 80s and 90s action movies but we kind of do like a little bit of everything on there it's just like it's old movies like generally, and we don't usually do new movies. And it's just us kind of jamming on what we think about them. And it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy uh, the people that I uh, make Inside Movies with. Andrew, the, the guy I'm doing the documentary with, is also one of the panelists on, on Inside Movies. And we just nerd out. Um, one of our videos kind of went, I don't know, viral or whatever, but we got like 25,000 views for one of our Rambo uh, movie reviews. Nice. Yeah. So that, that, that was good. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a struggle. I find like getting like YouTube subscribers way harder than like, uh, getting like Instagram followers or something like that. Like people are a little bit like, they hold on to like their subscriptions cause they don't want it like showing up in their feed if they're not going to
0: watch it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So, um, George, we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap this up again. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, to talk with us. Uh, one more time, give us the details about your upcoming Kickstarter campaign.
2: Yeah, Cover of Darkness, the hardcover and card game, launching October 18th. Um, it's a shared universe of horror characters that I if you like monsters, if you like spooky stuff, you're gonna love this. And if you like adventure and fantasy, we also have goblins and orcs and
0: dragons in the series as well so nice yep and and again like you know total you know total free endorsement here yeah cover of darkness is is so much fun um if you like if you know if you like monsters and scary stuff this book is just it's phenomenal uh but george thank you so much and uh best of luck on your kickstarter thank you thanks much Next up is my interview with Ash and Chanel Hamilton, uh, who were here to promote their new film, Holes in the Sky, The Sean Miller Story. Um, Really, really fun interview. Uh, This one, we will have the full interview up on our YouTube page, uh, but check this out. So I have a couple of guests for this edition of Artist Alley. Uh, I have Ash and Chanel Hamilton, um, who are here to talk about a new film called Holes in the Sky, the Sean Miller story. Uh, It's going to make its way to Amazon and Voodoo on November 1st. Uh, Ash, Chanel, how are you doing? We're doing great. How are you doing tonight? Doing well, doing well. Uh, Let's get right down to business. Give me the elevator pitch for Holes in the Sky okay so uh the story goes in 2013
3: there was this guy named sean miller he uh disappeared for four days there was a manhunt police involvement and uh eventually he came back with uh tall tales of being taken by an extraterrestrial intelligence um this of course happened at a time when not too many people were uh you know people were taken with a grain of salt because the abduction front of my head exploded so he sort of goes into hiding and then we come in as a documentary film crew uh me playing myself my wife playing herself and over the period of five days that we're allowed to be there events start to spiral out of control and then what we see with holes in the sky is a documentary about the
0: failed documentary very nice very nice now Um, this movie it's you recently got some pretty cool accolades it's the highest awarded found footage film of all time even beating out the Blair Witch Project Uh, what are some of those accolades and how does that feel
3: it's still a little crazy you know like you sort of wait to wake up and see a bunch of emails going hey we gave you these awards by mistake and then you have to do the math again you know like that's that's sort of my fear right now is I just wake up and I see a bunch of emails like, we're so very, very sorry. But uh, it was tear in the sky, the William Shatner UFO documentary <laughs> that won those awards. <laughs> so you might want to retract all your statements. Um, but but yeah, we started getting like, we've been on the festival circuit now for a year. And um, we started submitting to some of the bigger uh, genre uh, film festivals like for example scare fest which is a pretty big one there was a fright night film fest um macabre fair film fest we just su- submitted to a few of them and and then one of the first big ones we went to which was was in kentucky you know they pulled us aside in the "Hey, you should be at the awards ceremony because because you won the, one of the awards and i'm thinking it was probably for like you know best use of background props or something, you know, something like really obscure, but you know, I'd go up there and I'd nod and thank everybody and try not to cry. But it ended up being like, hey, you guys won best feature film. And we were up against some films that were, you know, like five hundred, six hundred thousand dollar movies and even like bigger than that. And and we're like, our film won the that was Do I look like Ash, someone else? Ash happens <laughs> in right now, like ash stamilton or whoever was <laughs> and uh and then we just kept getting them and it, it just got crazy to the point where you know i'd wake up and i get an email and you know i would say something to the effect of hey your status has changed from finalist to award winner and, and then we'd start getting the laurels and stuff in it and it and it it was strange again to another extent because we weren't really even looking at like the amount of awards it was just we were sort of uh just taken aback by the fact that we were we were winning and we, we were winning them in volume, and like one day we were driving the car and, you know, Chanel's like, "Hey, I I like I wonder what the most awards is for like our subcategory of film like ever." I'm like, "I have I have no clue because starting out like I I never thought that that would a, be a conversation that we'd have," you know. Um, yeah, and-
1: I I went down a a Google rabbit hole just. I don't even know where I started, but we were on a long drive through (laughs) Illinois, which is flat and fields, and we decided to take the highway instead of the interstate. So, you know, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, I wonder, like, how many awards do we have? Um, What's our subgenre again? Okay. Well, what's the most uh, awards for a film? And, you know, I think I started looking up, like, horror films that have won, like, Oscars and stuff like that. And... Then I was like, well, how What's the highest awarded found footage film? Babe, how many awards do we have?
3: Yeah, I think at the time we were like three or four away. Yeah.
1: You
3: know, yeah. We were was... so close
1: that I was like, hang on. Are you sure? Let me count this again.
3: And then w- there were a couple that we just like won a few. Um, you know, there were a couple festivals we were nominated for like 11, which was crazy. Oh, wow. and then you know, we'd get like a a, a like a smattering, we'd get like two or three, we'd be like, Oh, no, no, like we're right there. And then a couple of them just pushed us like way over to where we were, you know, looking for like think 18 to tie and, and 19 so to, surpass, to go yeah. over that. And And I think right now we're at like 24, so we ended up getting that block from a few and it was just it was insane like we we ended up getting some for like i was nominated for best actor think about a project that uh, first of all i'm like i'm not acting like Like, i I don't want to put that extra pressure
0: on me it's it's been crazy so what attracted you to this story uh money the the
3: (laughs) idea that we could do something for for next to no money (laughs) the
1: lack of money the
3: the lack of money yeah (laughs) And we talked about some audio only projects, like some narrative podcast kind of stuff, which I'm interested in, too. And we were actually watching, I think it was like was calls, it was just, calls on Apple calls, this uh, series by uh, Fetty Alvarez, who directed the Evil Dead uh, 2013 Evil Dead. And it was like audio only the only visual throughout the entire series. And it, and it was episodic of like 10 20 minutes or something. There I were like 20, it, yeah. yeah, like 20 minutes a piece and it was riveting like the only visual had, was like, just the this waveform wave okay but uh from from an from the perspective of, of fantastic audio engineering and really really good voice actors like we were enthralled by this thing like we binged the whole thing in one night and we we're like wow that was excellent and there wasn't a single visual to it
1: and and me being the loving wife that i am i turned to him and said why didn't you do this
3: Right. Because, yeah, because I hadn't spiraled into a deep enough depression yet. It's like, oh, my God, you know, well, yeah, why didn't I think of this? And and I think so many times we're we're plagued as creators with how do we do something really, really big and how do we get the money for it and how impactful can it be? And we rarely sit down and, and ask ourselves, you know, how can we write for a budget? Like usually the budget comes afterwards. And at this point, I'm like, okay. I think there's elements that we can we can do or we can sort of fudge a lot of this um, and and we can do it in a way that it's still um, entertaining and still has decent production value so I sat down to write the cheapest movie like I possibly could like that was my ambition was like how can I write something that's like a paycheck for paycheck movie like how can I do it self-fund it and maybe a little bit of the money from elsewhere so the big thing with me was i wanted to do a project that i didn't have to rely on funding for because it's such a roller coaster like the investment cycle is is just a nightmare you know people write checks and then the following day don't cash that don't do this you know all of a sudden we looked at this and it looks identical to what you're doing and we don't have any you know faith in, in the story anymore so you know don't don't count on that money and now we're like, well, we don't have to worry about that. Like, like, un- unless we start writing some crazy stuff and we actually did write some crazy stuff and managed to pull it off for next to I think, but like, we weren't writing with the idea that this was going to be star Wars, you know, like we were mm-hmm. writing with the idea of like, l- let's write a proof of concept film. And if we can make it, and if we can show someone that we can make, you know, an, an hour and 36 minute film for a very limited budget, like. micro micro budget um then hopefully somebody will come along and go oh what could you do with this amount or or, or this amount so it was very much a proof of concept like we weren't even really for sure it was going to go anywhere then one day we were like i was editing it i was editing the first eight minutes of the movie and i was like holy shit you gotta take a look at this like this looks like a movie (laughs) it does look like a a bunch of guys just playing tag in the backyard you know really bad audio and everybody falling down I'm like no this actually Like, I think we've got something
0: here <laughs> nice nice so when you were writing this like was was the idea always to be a found footage film and if not like what what kind of made you go that route
3: uh, I, I think we always knew that it was going to be a, a mixed media so- sort of film and I think again a, a lot of that was because we we wanted something that that felt very honest mm-hmm. that felt very organic and you know we had even approached some actors that we knew and a couple of actors I, I knew that sort of had names behind them and it it isn't just feeling very forced and it was it was through no fault of anyone's it was just as we started doing it more of a sort of a gorilla you know filmmaking grassroots kind of thing is when it really started to feel like it was right so even when I was writing it, I was trying. I was trying to write lines. Like we went a very unorthodox way to even write the film. Like I was starting to write stuff. I was writing lines, and you know it sounds really good in your head. And then you like you feed the line to somebody, and it was like that is bullshit.
1: My wife sounds like, like a robot now. I wrote that
3: horrible. <laughs> like, it doesn't yeah. sound like anybody who regularly brings that up a casual conversation. So we we knew we had obstacles, especially like with the budget. And so we said, okay what if we bring in people who are not actors and we just give them like beats to hit. So instead of acting, it's like, I think our friends are good liars. Like, <laughs> you know, whenever we ask them over and they've got stuff to do, it's like, I know they don't.
1: We didn't tell. So them if we can get them in front of the camera
3: <laughs> and they can do that,
1: let me get my best lying friend.
3: Like, yeah. Now. So we're good. Like, like let's call a bunch of liars, just a <laughs> filthy liars into our house and, and have them make a movie. And so we had people who like we knew could probably do it. Like we had a friend who did a lot of tabletop gaming, a lot of RPG and stuff. And you know, like we, we knew we had the ability to to act, you know, and, and to present. So it's like, hey, let's get you in front of a camera and, and see if if that works and if it looks natural and stuff. And and we started getting these people in, in front of the camera. And it was like, wow, like this is this is not only working, but it's like it's looking good. And like let's just continue to do this, like let's let's just forget about traditional acting. Let's get them in front of a camera. We'll get them talking. Um, we'll just let it roll for as long as we need it. And then we'll just keep hitting beats. Uh, now, luck- luckily I have acquired a ton of filmmaking equipment over like the last few years. So we did have the ability, even as a small production to have like multiple units where we would have camera a here with its dedicated audio Uh, dedicated lighting you had a camera B here with the same so we were able to film from a lot of different angles and and sort of put that together in the editing room which helped us out greatly so when you have a film that doesn't cost a lot of money if you can keep that camera moving if you can keep a lot of movement in, in the edit you also sort of like fudge momentum You know, it it, it looks like you're heading towards something instead of a lot of just static medium shots. Mm -hmm. And we started doing that more and more. And it was like, okay, then we'll get to the shots that are supposed to be handheld. We'll give everybody their phone. And it's like, if you're not in the shot here, record. And we'll take all that footage and then we'll mix it in. And that ended up working really well for us because, you know, sometimes watching found footage it's just one long take it's one long shot and we were able to do different things with it because the gist of the film is that we were a documentary film crew anyways so there's expectations of equipment there's expectations of multiple cameras so luckily we were able to hide it in the writing that we had that available to us
0: nice nice so you mentioned you wrote this film you act you're acting in it you directed it how daunting of a task is it to do all of these things for one project
3: it's it's a complete and total shit sandwich is, <laughs> is actually
0: what
1: it is i don't think i spoke <laughs> in for like a that, month straight
3: <laughs> you just explained to people why like yeah it's one of those weird things where like you 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 don't realize how much you've uh you you've the, the bite that you've taken that you that, that you got to chew like you don't realize just how much you're putting into it until you know w- until you look at just the expanse of time and i mean this is something where you know i was still doing quality control for our distributor a month ago and we had finished the film in august of 2021 so it, it's it's like man you, you just you're married to this thing mm-hmm. for so long and and especially when you decide okay i'm going to edit it i mean it's always about how do we eliminate overhead you know for for indie films and sometimes you do that by going okay if we got to do adr i've got equipment i'll do the adr and then you start roping yourself into doing all the sound and then you start roping yourself into breaking up the sound for like 5.1 dts and stuff because you start flattening these learning curves. It might only be temporary. Like if I went back to do half the stuff, I'm not for sure I'd remember how to do it because it was like stuff I needed to do it in the moment. Mm-hmm. But you start flattening all these curves because it, it's cost effective if you can do it yourself. And then before you know it, you know, you've know you worn so many hats that you just take a step back and look at it. And you don't even realize how you did it.
0: Like you just take a step back. And like I, how in the world did we end up getting that done? So back in August, uh, Holes in the Sky had its premiere uh, in Springfield at the Hoagland Center for the Arts. How did that go? Yeah, well, I think it was, was it September. 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 Yeah. Okay. My apologies. Oh, no problem. Um, well, we
3: we had so many people local that we knew we we wanted a, a bigger sort of premiere local uh, just because, I mean, you, you want people here to see something that was done here. Mm-hmm. You know, again, like we we use this term proof of concept so much, but we really want people to. I I mean, and just to digress for a moment, like you know, when I was younger and I wanted to do stuff like this, like younger, younger, you know, when I was like junior high or you know, not even high school, I I felt like there's no way, there's absolutely no way. Like, you know, back then equipment was, you know, rental only that amount of money was insurmountable getting people together to do something consistently just seemed like it wouldn't happen and i know that you know especially being in the midwest there's sometimes some very i hate to say this but like hopeless moments where you look at where all your resources are at and sometimes it's on the east coast on the west coast or just bigger metropolitan areas and i know that if i was like 19 or 20 and i was you know, taking a film class. Man, if if just someone from within a 20 mile radius said, Hey, I made a movie. It it's been in theaters, it's been in festivals, it'll be on your TV, you can watch it. That would have made a huge difference to me. Just to say, hey, it doesn't have to be a, a million dollar, you know, venture. So we wanted to put it somewhere where anybody could come. We wanted it to be free and we wanted people to be able to interact with us and you know like we had posters to give away and stuff and of course the the caveat to all that is is that you just don't know if anybody's anybody's going to show up.
1: Mm-hmm. That it was the roller coaster all well, over be- again. It was like every other day I don't I don't think that there's going to be a lot going right, up but I'm like I know that Facebook event says like twice as many as the theater will hold is interested. So no no one's showing up and then the next day yeah. it's like what if we have to turn people yeah, well, away
3: oh yeah yeah it's like well, it, it's know. it's elation depression <laughs> elation depression um so yeah so we, we we all have horrible ulcers at this point but like we thought that we were we would get a decent turnout at least with friends and family uh because we had a lot of people who were involved with it in one capacity or another whether it was composed of the music or Someone that was helping me, you know, in post and editing, like all their friends and family. Like we were like, bring as many people as you want because the theater holds like four, it it seats 415, it holds like 500. Like bring as many as you want because with a big theater and you have a small audience, it looks really bad. Like
1: break your heart.
3: (laughs) Yeah. It's like just to look out and see all the empty seats, you know, and we, we were there maybe like two hours two and a half or so hours early and we're you know doing it, it getting everything you know ready and, and Chanel's doing a lot more than me because she's got from a familiarity with the area than i do and she's talking to more people and we see people start to filter it like okay this is pretty cool and then we see more people filter like that's pretty awesome and then you know the film's supposed to go on at eight and about like 7 30 i'm realizing that like the lobby is full
1: and then you walk into the theater and people are filtering into seats already and we're like which we didn't i we,
3: i didn't know about i hadn't been in there yet you know because yeah. i was outside trying to get people posters and you know trying to talk to people and one of the people that helped us one of the ushers you know to me was yeah. like hey have you been in the theater yet and i'm like no i haven't like i've been out here i'm just sweating because of body heat <laughs> and he
1: was expecting <laughs> to be like it's empty there's no one
3: there Right. Was, I said, he was like Take a look at this echo, dude. (laughs) And we go into the theater and it was like packed. I'm like, oh, no, (laughs) like this is great. But now I don't know if like we're going to hold all the people. And as it turns out, we came in like right at capacity. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Absolutely. It was lovely. It was wonderful. And it was amazing. But it was it was crazy. Like we
0: didn't expect that to happen. I didn't.
1: I did. I expected
0: it. Yeah, for yeah, she. So what was what was the reaction to the film at the premiere, at the premiere?
1: We've had a lot of positive reactions. We've had some people coming up to us at um the kids' school book fair telling us our film changed their life. Wow.
3: But not in the positive way.
1: <laughs> because now they can't drive home alone at night anymore. <laughs>
0: like we thought it was going to be like you've inspired us
1: yeah you're inspired
0: obviously you don't you don't want to give away anything you can't give away anything but is there a chance that we might see more of this world that you've created somewhere down the line
3: I hope so like I I hope at some point somebody just comes along and is and is like hey we've there's a few zeros on this check would you like to you know revisit this idea and and I, I and I know that people involved in it um, want to revisit it? They 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 want to come back to it and and maybe come back to these characters and in, in that 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 world. Um, I, I don't have anything against it. Um, I might have to put a little bit of distance between it and myself. Like at this point, like like we do have a second feature in the works that that has nothing to to do with it, and and maybe that will help anyway. Sort of uh, cleanse my palate.
0: Mm-hmm what do you think it is about found footage films uh, that adds just kind of like an extra level of fear or uneasiness than other types of horror films? Like I have a love
3: hate relationship with found footage films personally. Like I'm not a huge lover of them. Um, I think when they're done well, they're done when they're done very well, they're extremely effective to, to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and like, just to, to, to name one, for example, there was an Australian, two australian features actually the tunnel and lake mungo um were two films that i watched and uh the template for what we did was was sort of similar where um they added in some some interviews with people and 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 made it sort of a documentary um i remember watching those two films knowing that they were fictional but they were just done so convincingly that i just got lost in it i you know, I thought I was watching a documentary in those moments. Like if you do that and do it well, um, you know, it's, it's easy to get scared by fiction. Um, But if you're trying to make it look and, and sound and behave, you know, a, as it would in our reality, first of all, it's very difficult to do, but if you can do that, then there's almost a further suspension of disbelief. You know, if you put it in framework that looks very real and, you know, as, as, media consumers we see so many videos you know that are presented in that documentary style format that your brain sort of takes over and just says no this is real this is a real thing and like that was sort of i think what appealed to me was like if we can really do this to the point where it's convincing enough if we've got one person in the audience who thinks this might be a real event then like we've done it mm-hmm. and And we've done it to an extent where they're going to go home and they're going to think about it. Yeah, so there were times where the festival scene was, it was fun because it was like a little bit of a, you know, Kool-Aid acid test kind of thing. Like the litmus test was walking in and people were like, okay, I spent four hours researching your movie only to find out that it was fake. And I'm like, it's a movie. Of course it's fake. You know? (laughs) It, it's like there was that was like the multi pronged, uh, good and bad of it was like there were elements that felt really good, and then there were times like it was like the conversation would get really awkward. You're just like, when do I stop him? They're at the they're at the 11 minute mark now. It's got to be soon. <laughs> like I I gotta tell him. It doesn't seem like you know PT Barnum over here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, bunch of suckers, you know. So. <laughs> Nice, nice. So between uh, Holes in the Sky, which uh, before uh, before we did this interview, I I watched the trailer and it's even the trailer is pretty unsettling in a really good way. Uh, So between Holes in the Sky and Horror Fix, which is a website that's dedicated to all things horror, uh, clearly you're a fan of the genre. Uh, Who is your inspiration and what what drew you to the genre?
3: Uh, you know, my my mom was a big, big fan of horror films, and uh, when I was a kid, like we'd stay up and watch midnight movies and stuff, and it was like the ritual of it. You know, the the idea of being treated like an adult for one night and being allowed mm-hmm. to stay up. And then, of course, there's this taboo element of you know I'm watching a horror movie when I when my my mother probably should have had better judgment. When I was eight years old <laughs> and, and should have been like maybe Texas Chainsaw Master isn't the best movie for little Ash. <laughs> and we had popcorn and watched all these movies and a bunch of like uh, hammer horror movies from the 70s, a bunch of old TV movies. Because of that, I always had really good feelings. I, uh, that's strange to say, but like horror movies always sort of excited me. They always gave me these, it, it just felt good. Like when it was watching a horror movie, I remembered what it was like to be a kid. And I remember what it was like to experience something new. You know, it was always a, a, a better experience than say like watching a, a, like a, a romantic comedy. If you your know?
1: mother's tastes were different, you'd be a completely <laughs> different person.
0: Right. So uh, what was your favorite horror film or franchise growing up?
3: I I always have a place in my heart for the Evil Dead movies because they're goofy. And I I love the fact that we've got, essentially, if you take out the 2013 movie, you take out the series, we've got three movies that are tonally extremely different. And you you rarely get that from like a franchise you rarely get one director that goes okay okay, we're gonna make something that's straightforward you know going for your jugular horror and the next film it's like yeah we're gonna do something that's sort of surreal and goofy got a lot of slapstick stuff in it we're gonna have a bunch of homages the three stooges and then the next movie it's like we're gonna go Ray Harryhausen and Sinbad, and there's gonna be animated skeletons. It's like I I love that approach where somebody said not all three are gonna be different, but they're all gonna have a connective tissue. So those those ideas excite me a lot. Um, plus, I am a big like Sinbad, the you know, Seven gorgeous Sinbad, Sinbad the Ipe Tiger, uh, Valley of Guanji, like all the old Ray Harryhausen stop motion stuff. And when we get to Army of Darkness, it's like not a lot of films had revisited that in the nineties and here it comes along army of darkness. And it's like, we've got the animated skeletons, you know, we've got the castles and sword play and sort of this wisecracking guy. That's the, like the antipode of, of Errol Flynn and all that stuff really, really appealed to me. So those films are very rewatchable for me. Um, as far as like horror, horror goes, um, you know some of the old stuff i find absolutely great uh, uh curse of the demon which is also called night of the demon um i think is was great that was uh i think based on a, a story it was called like curse of the Runes or something but as the old one that has dana Andrews in it it's a nice black and white like and it's a mystery movie that you don't really expect to be supernatural
0: so Holes in the Sky will be available on Amazon and Vudu starting on November 1st. Uh, what do people need to do to be able to watch it?
3: Uh, basically, if they just go on to Amazon.com um, or Vudu, uh, and that can be on, on any particular uh, you know either set-top box or smart TV or laptop, um, you'll see it available for rental. The November 1st uh, release is going to be VOD, so it'll be rental. And it'll—I like, don't even know how much it costs. you. thats what's crazy. I, I
1: don't. We don't even know how much it's gonna cost. It Hopefully, to see not if that maybe much. Maybe like a pre-release.
3: December sixth. Um, it'll be DVD, Blu-ray, and that's supposed to be at, at and, big box and Apple. Oh, Apple, and then the rest of TVOD too. I which thought Apple be... was
1: December. Yeah, oh, that's so. what I meant.
3: Okay. December sixth. December sixth will be DVD, Blu-ray, and then the rest of TVOD, which includes Apple. And and set top on cable demand. boxes like Dish, uh probably Xfinity,
1: Xfinity yeah
3: those yeah so it'll be it's sort of tiered, um and then in 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 February Definitely. it'll just be on different streaming and and that'll just be included with subscription streaming in February so hopefully it will make a few dollars between now and February before people can see it totally free but
0: as long as people are watching it that's sort of where I'm at like just. Find a way to watch it awesome awesome so how can people find you as well as more information about holes in the sky online uh, luckily it's pretty easy if you just google holes in the
3: sky like will come up um either reviews or news about it will come up news about some of the awards or um like uh festival news will come up uh, luckily we're done with festivals now completely um but if they want to see what I'm doing, uh, you know, Horror Fix is sort of my handle on everything. H-O-R-R-O-R-F-I-X or H-O-R-R-O-R hyphen F-I-X dot com. And um, I mean, we're on Twitter and you know, Facebook and just about everything else. So it's it's pretty easy to find either myself or the film.
0: And since the two are, are pretty intertwined, if you find one, you'll, you'll probably find the other awesome awesome well ash chanel thank you so much for taking the time uh, and you know best of luck with this movie i cannot wait to check it out thank you and that's gonna do it for this artist alley spotlight uh we'll be back with our regular show um in the meantime check us out on social media uh tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on any questions comments or concerns then shoot us an email at the geek awakens podcast at gmail.com Uh, From everyone at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time.